Welcome to episode 108 of The Complete Works Season 1, a deep dive in the career and films of actor Nicolas Cage. My name is Mike Smith, and joining me on this journey into the world of true cagedom is my friend, co-host, and fellow cageaholic, Mike Tricio. How are you today, Mike? I'm doing just great. It's always exciting uh, to be back here in Season 1 of the pod. Um, however, I will say I'm here in this episode in particular under protest. <laughs> I want that on record at the top. I think we are straining, straining the credulity of the ter- of the phrase featuring Nicolas Cage. I mean, uh, from what I understand, and I don't think you could actually tell this from the movie. From what I understand, he did shoot something for this. Get, uh, no, impossible. <laughs> I don't believe you. There's uh, no way. Yeah. So, yeah, we're back with a, a new Nicolas Cage episode. Last week, we did a Jeff Goldblum episode, which was the first Goldblum episode we did in a, basically a little bit over a year. Yeah. Uh, this is the third Nicolas Cage episode we've done this year, Mike. Uh, <laughs> he just won't stop. <laughs> Let us be free. <laughs> He just keeps coming back with more movies. Of course, in January, there was The Old Way. Uh, In April, we had Renfield. And now we've got today's movie. Uh, And there's a lot of lore, a lot of backstory we had to get through to really give you context for Nicolas Cage's presence in the movie we're talking about today. That's true. Uh, So a long time ago on this podcast, uh, we talked about a documentary called The Death of Superman Lives, What Happens, which uh, is a movie I think we both really liked. Right, Mike? Yeah, that's a very interesting uh behind the scenes, like inside baseball Hollywood story about how a movie can get stuck in production hell and then eventually canceled. Exactly. So that movie was about the production of a Superman movie in the 90s uh, that was in development for a couple of years before it finally fell apart before anything could be filmed. If it had happened, the movie would have been written by Kevin Smith directed by Tim Burton, and it would have starred Nicolas Cage as Superman. Uh, And the project sounded completely insane. (laughs) And and the idea of Nicolas Cage as Superman, especially in the 90s, right at the height of his action movie stardom, like I think he was cast the year Face Off came out, uh, has been one of the great casting what-ifs of the modern era. Uh, So Cage ultimately got his superhero movie shot with Ghost Rider in 2007, uh, and it seems like the only Nicolas Cage Superman we would ever get the chance to see was his small voice cameo in 2018's Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Remember that one, Mike? I do remember that one. I mean, there's that, that you know, 30-second costume test fitting uh, right, clip of too. him in the Superman suit, uh, which is as close as we ever got to him as Superman yes, in live in, action. Yeah. In live action form. But uh, yeah, the Teen Titans cameo was a, a fun nod to Cage's history with the character and a chance to... Put it all behind us. That's right. To move on, as Teen Titans always does. <laughs> yes. Until today, that is. Because guess what? <laughs> um, <sighs> there is a new movie in theaters right now in which Nicolas Cage plays Superman. Sort of for about 15 seconds. <laughs> and he's so poorly digitally de-aged that you might think you're watching a PS4 game when he's on screen. Nevertheless, he did shoot something for this movie, which means we have to talk about the Flash. Tell me something. You can go anywhere. Another timeline. Another universe. 
So why do you want to stay and fight to save this one? Because this is the world where my mom lives. I'm not going to lose her again. Time has a pattern that it can't help reliving. Different people, different worlds, drawn to each other like magnets. My face. So my face. If you were to go into the past, you have no idea what the consequences can be. Bruce, I could fix things. You could also destroy everything. This can't be happening. I completely broke the universe. Sod, we've been waiting for you. I created a world with no metahumans. And now there's no one to defend us. Want some help? PS4 is generous, one. Uh, (laughs) And two, in theater is also generous. This was in one theater playing for two shows uh, this weekend near me. Uh, So I barely got to see this in time to record this for the podcast. Ah, man. Well, I'm glad you made it in time, Mike. Uh, Yeah, glad they got me $15. Yeah. Uh, So talk about a movie that really languished in development hell for a really, really long time. They first started trying to make a Flash movie back in the 1980s. You didn't know it went that far back, did you? I didn't. I should <laughs> yeah. have, though, because the flash and timelines. But Exactly, yes. Uh, so the 1980s uh, was when they kind of started to try it, but they really started to get serious about it back in the mid-2000s. Uh, WB hired David Goyer to write the film after his work on Batman Begins, and he was hoping for Ryan Reynolds to star as The Flash because the Whoa. two worked together on Blade Trinity. That's a different timeline. Yes, sure. I mean, yeah, this would have been, you know, pre-X-Men uh, Origins Wolverine, like pre-Deadpool, pre-Green Lantern. Like, this would have been, like, Ryan Reynolds coming off of waiting kind of thing. Yeah. That would have been <laughs> that would have been Ryan Reynolds for The Flash. And, yeah, that would uh, just set the timeline off in a very different direction. Uh, that didn't pan out. Uh, they got Sean Levy to sign on as director, uh, who is the director of the then-recent hit Night at the Museum, uh, and who is actually currently directing Deadpool 3, speaking of. Uh, yes. Uh, but all of their plans 
were wrapped up in George Miller's Justice League movie, uh, which never got off the ground, but was envisioned as a movie that they could start with and then spin off all the characters from. Uh, and so that movie actually cast Adam Brody as the Flash uh, before before it, too, was ultimately scrapped. The George Miller Justice League movie never happened. <laughs> There's lots of, lots of circles, lots of layers going on here. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, that never happened. Finally, Man of Steel came out in 2013, and WB quickly used the film as a springboard for a larger DC universe. Uh, production was underway for Zack Snyder's Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, a movie which attempted to do a quick introduction for every member of the Justice League before the Justice League movie came out the following year. And so our modern version of The Flash was introduced in a brief cameo from Ezra Miller, who also made a cameo in Suicide Squad that year, and then finally got a larger role in 2017's Justice League, which underperformed and nobody really liked it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, we're st- it turns out we're still living in the Snyderverse all yeah, these years later. No matter how hard we try, we simply cannot escape the Snyderverse. No. I, I think this movie is basically the, the last dying gasp of the Snyderverse. Yeah. Uh, um, but the original plan was for a solo Flash movie to come out in 2018, a year after Justice League. But with the DC Universe floundering, it kept getting pushed back and retooled and cycled through a ton of different filmmakers, including Phil Lord and Chris Miller, uh, who left the project to go work on Solo, a Star Wars story, and we know how that turned out. Yep. Seth Graham Smith, uh, the writer of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Rick Famuyiwa, uh, the director of Dope, who has since become pretty involved with The Mandalorian. And John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who recently directed uh, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Uh, and they still have a story by credit on the finished product of The Flash, by the way. Uh, other directors approached who ultimately turned it down include Robert Zemeckis, Matthew Vaughn, Sam Raimi, Mark Webb, and Jordan Peele. Wow. Just go through all the comic book nerd people you can think of. <laughs> just be- begging, please save this movie. Yeah, that, that is essentially what happened. And finally, in 2019, Andy Machete, uh, director of both of the It movies, uh, took over production and everything was set to begin in January of 2020. So naturally, the pandemic happened. Uh, yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> and it delayed everything again. Uh, during this time, it was kind of decided to use the Flash movie as a soft reboot of the DC Extended Universe, specifically adapting the comic Flashpoint and using it as a way to keep the stuff people were responding to in the DC movies, like Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, Jason Momoa's Aquaman, or Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, and get rid of what people weren't liking uh, in the DC movies, like the Zack Snyder kind of nihilistic worldview, Henry Cavill's Superman, and Ben Affleck's Batman. But the hierarchy of power in the DC universe just kept on changing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, And in 2022, James Gunn and Peter Safran were brought on as co-heads of DC and essentially announced their intention to do a stronger soft reboot of the DC universe. Yeah. Uh, Beginning with a new Superman movie called Superman Legacy, which James Gunn would write and direct. And they just recently announced that uh, they just cast that movie. Uh, David Cornswett and Rachel Brosnahan are playing Superman and Lois. David Cornswett, a guy that nobody really knows. He was in Pearl last year. Uh, And yeah, but I I think Superman is typically just like, it's usually an an unknown actor. Yeah. It's it's not usually a name. And Rachel Brosnahan, of course, from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which that seems like a really good cast for Lois Lane. Uh, They also outlined a several-year plan for movies and TV shows, which includes a Supergirl movie, a Swamp Thing movie, uh, possibly directed by James Mangold, uh, and an Amanda Waller TV show, which would star Viola Davis. So obviously they are keeping some elements of uh, the DC Universe stuff. Uh, So while The Flash was still being used as a soft reboot, it is 
now in the weird position of essentially setting up a reboot that was originally envisioned before James Gunn took over. And the changes that we're going to get now, I think, are going to be a lot more drastic than what we see in this movie or what was originally planned. But that's pure speculation. Who's to say what will actually happen? <laughs> yeah, it seems like a uh, reboot to nothing now. Yeah. Like, we're resetting everything. <laughs> we're going to start from here. Yes, exactly. JK, we're doing something completely different anyway. Also, It's also weird that Ezra Miller uh, has been playing The Flash since 2016. They first showed up in Batman vs. Superman and then Suicide Squad and Justice League. Uh, and then I believe they also popped up. They had a cameo in like the DC CW shows like during one of the crossover things. Uh, Isn't there a Flash show in that, though? Yes. Uh, there was. A, I mean, and that Flash show, really good. Uh, I mean, <laughs> for the first few seasons, at least, that show was pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, there's an, a, a, one of the, like, Crisis and Infinite Earths, like, multiverse kind of thing. Oh, that was like, okay. you know, the Flash meets the Flash kind of thing. Got it. Uh, so they did that, and then I think they made a cameo on Peacemaker. But, like, really, they've been playing the character for, like, eight years. Never, almost never for more than a minute at a time. Like... <laughs> The Flash is just too fast. He's only, that, that, he can, can only be is. in a movie for a minute. <laughs> uh, I also have not mentioned yet that during all of this, Ezra Miller essentially went on a years-long crime spree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that has seen them accused of everything from assault, burglary, disorderly conduct, harassment, and the grooming of minors. So, you know, that was an uphill battle the movie had to fight against, too. <laughs> yeah. Just any any potential, uh, like, I don't know, goodwill is the right word, but, like, interest in Ezra, Ezra Miller as, like, a celebrity or star yeah. just completely uh, quashed, I'd say. Yes, evaporated, for sure. So, yes, Nicolas Cage appears in this movie as Superman, alongside several other CGI recreations of old Supermans, uh, like George Reeves and Christopher Reeve, Helen Slater as Supergirl, Adam West as Batman, and Cesar Romero and Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Ezra Miller plays... Uh, uh, I, are you you're trying to Jack Nicholson? Re yeah, remember where the Jokers show up. I remember hearing their voices. I guess that I, I think I think that's probably what it is. I don't think they I don't think they actually appear on screen. Maybe yeah. Cesar Romero does. I don't think they do a CGI Jack Nicholson. Ezra Miller plays two versions of Barry Allen, uh, one from the present and one from the past slash alternate universe. Uh, Sasha Kelly makes her film debut here as Supergirl, and the biggest casting thing that was meant to build hype for this movie, uh, Michael Keaton returns to the role of Batman in a major supporting role over 30 years since he last played the role in Batman Returns. Uh, so that that's a weird thing where it feels like that should be a big deal. And for whatever reason, watching the movie, I was like, yeah, all right. I mean, I, I feel like maybe I'm just tapped out on nostalgia. <laughs> I think that's it. I think, I think um, that's what it was. If this happened a few years ago, man, people would be going nuts. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw a good tweet that I think kind of summed it up. It wasn't specifically about this but it was about uh, the casting announcement for Deadpool 3 yes. that Jennifer Garner is back as Elektra from Daredevil, of course. And uh, I saw the tweet was like, they're now going to movies people don't like because the nostalgia well is so tapped. Yeah. And that's really how I felt just during every frame of this movie. <laughs> um, not to get into my thoughts already, but mm -hmm. yeah, that's the, it's like, it's Michael Keaton, baby. Let's do it. Yeah. And it's just like, ugh, nothing. <laughs> Yeah, it sh that should feel like a bigger deal than it is, uh, and unfortunately it's not. I do think, and uh, Michael Keaton was also supposed to be Batman uh, in the Batgirl movie. Uh, he filmed stuff right. for Batgirl, which uh, is no longer being released. Yeah, that's also a weird thing where, like, the return of, like, arguably the most iconic screen Batman, I'll always, I, I'm still a Christian Bale guy, but, like, Michael Keaton, like, looms large over the, the Batman, you know, live-action stuff. Like, the return of your live-action Batman, like, the most iconic guy to don the suit you could scrap that for a tax break. It's like, it's, it's weird. It's a very weird thing. <laughs> Just uh, taking the file Batgirl 
underscore final dot mp4 and dragging it into the recycle bin <laughs> yes <laughs> on the warner brothers mainframe yes uh so from here uh ron livingston appears as henry allen barry's father uh actually replacing uh billy crudup who played the role in justice league uh huh. which is also weird to recast in this movie specifically because that's supposed to be the same universe you know right. and that, there's a bunch of different recasts that happen in alternate universes but this is supposed to be the same one there's like a weird continuity thing there but yeah and there's a cage reunion here uh mike since ron Livingston was also in adaptation, so throw that out there too. You know, I was more excited about Ron Livingston than I was about Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah, I, I was pretty pumped to see Ron Livingston too, Mike. Uh, he's he's somebody I always get excited about. I'm not entirely sure why. I just I always like him. He's a, he's I just a good love guy. that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Maribel Verdu uh, from films like Itumama Tambien and Pan's Labyrinth uh, plays Nora Allen, Barry's oh, mom. That's where she's from. Yep. There you go. Uh, and returning from past DCEU movies, oh, we've got Kiersey Clemens as Iris West, who is in Justice League. Uh, Michael Shannon and as General Zod reprising his role from Man of Steel uh, and making this a three-peat cage reunion, by the way, because he was in uh, World Trade Center and Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans. Wow. Yes. Uh, Anya Trau as Farah Ul, uh, Zod's second-in-command, Ben Affleck as Batman, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, Jeremy Irons as Alfred, and in some uncredited cameos, uh, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, uh, Tamora Morrison as Tom Curry, Aquaman's father, and George Clooney as Bruce Wayne reprising his role from Batman and Robin. Yeah. Also... Nikolai Coaster-Waldau from Game of Thrones plays a guy that Barry steals a piece of pizza from. <laughs> I thought that was him. I was like, what the fuck is... I'm pretty sure that was Jamie Lannister. Uh, I believe that's because I think he's in Mama, uh, the horror movie that Andy Machete uh, directed back in like 2013. Uh, so I, think I heard they, that was pretty good. That I saw that in theaters and liked it a lot. I have not seen it since, uh, but I did like it back, back in the really? day. Uh, so yeah, Nikolai Coaster-Waldau is there and also Andy Machete cameos as a guy that Barry steals a hot dog from as well. Uh, I feel like you were about to say something before I talked about Nikolai Coaster-Waldau. I think about George Clooney. Um, Maybe George Clooney. That was kind of cool that he's in it. Um, I don't remember what I was going to say, though. Okay, fair enough. I, just, I saw your mouth open up as if you were like to, about to speak. I, and I, I definitely <laughs> did, but I'll, I'll, maybe it'll come back. All right, fair enough. Uh, the movie was written by Christina Hodson, uh, who also wrote Bumblebee and Birds of Prey, uh, and directed by Andy Machete, whose most recent film before this was It Chapter 2 in 2019, and he is currently attached to direct another movie in the new DC universe uh, that Gunn is uh, spearheading, uh, The Brave and the Bold, uh, a movie uh, in that new DCU centered on the Bat family. Uh, oh. So Batman, Robin, Batgirl, you know, all that kind of stuff. I believe the idea is to cast entirely new people for that one cool. as well. Because uh, that's not that's not going to be the same Batman that you see in Robert Pattinson's The Batman. Uh, that's going to be its own separate thing. So, sure, why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, the Flash was released on June 16th, 2023. Opened to number one at the box office, but performed way below expectations. Uh, it opened just ahead of Elemental, the new Pixar movie. Also opening that weekend were The Blackening and Asteroid City in limited release, which we talked about in the podcast last week uh, also in the top 10 were spider-verse 2 transformers rise of the beast the little mermaid guardians of the galaxy volume 3 the boogeyman and fast x uh so most of those pretty much the same as last week except for fast x still hanging on in there yeah yeah i think i'm shocked uh, that guardians is still hanging on uh yeah, Gar guardians has been uh i think pretty much the hit of the summer uh I, it helps that it's good um and <laughs> true true <laughs> i think that's kind of the key thing and that's something i kind of wanted to talk about in this episode too and i we kind of briefly referenced it last week but uh a lot of like really big bloated and not very good uh hollywood blockbusters are flopping this summer and the ones that tend to be pretty are, that are pretty good, uh, like Guardians three or Spider Verse two or whatever, uh, they're doing well, uh, and it's it's kind of encouraging to see. I feel like there's maybe a discrepancy happening in terms of like a, a sea change in like 
how movies are made and what people are willing to go to the theater for. And I feel like people want it's you can't just like trot out old IP and expect people to show up for it anymore. I think that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're we're living uh, just in a tired society that's like, fuck this um, to a lot of stuff. And it's it's interesting. You would think one of these like business school people that runs these uh, studios would realize like maybe if we stop making like one or two $200 million bets, uh, we can make 10, $20 million bets and only one or two of them need to be a success. Uh, yeah. like fund the smaller movies and you can make more of them, I guess is what I'm like. You would think somebody would realize that at some point. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, I think maybe there should be like, you know, still like one movie that, you know, you spend a lot of money on, you're yeah. hoping it's a big thing, but like, yeah, your most of your slate should be, you know, mid to low budget kind of things where you can like, Hey, if this is a big hit, we're going to make so much money off this thing. Like yeah. That, and that'll pay for the rest of these, you know, that that kind of thing, uh, which is, you know, how movies used to work. Right. <laughs> used to be how it all operated. Uh, and then it didn't. But, uh, yeah, I think this year we've seen, you know, Ant-Man and the Wasp underperform. We've seen Indiana Jones underperform. Uh, the Flash underperformed. Uh, I think Flash, I think, is considered like an outright bomb. Uh, <laughs> like, it's not doing well. Uh, and even, like, The Little Mermaid, the live-action Little Mermaid, which, uh, you know, previous Disney live-action remakes have been – slam dunks at the box office despite how like creatively bankrupt they were yeah uh, this one i think is still doing okay in the u.s but like globally it's it's really not doing very well wow. uh and so yeah i think there is a little bit of a sea change happening and uh, i mean i think it'll take a few years but hopefully that means uh you know stronger better movies going forward who knows because yeah. even, even within franchise stuff we've had a lot of good franchise stuff this year and they've all done well i think john wick 4 was great creed 3 was great evil dead rise which was supposed to be uh you know an hbo max thing they put in right. the theaters uh, you know that did really well uh even i think insidious 5 came out this uh weekend and i don't think that one is actually supposed to be very good uh from what i read uh but because they spent so little money on it uh it made 30 million dollars this weekend and it's like hey it did well <laughs> it did yeah well. <laughs> i mean the, the blumhouse method right like just yeah. make a bunch of micro budget shit and if one or two of them explode then you're doing it exactly um, you're killing it um so yeah i don't know we'll see what happens plus you know we're, we're gonna i think towards the end of this year approach the end of the pipeline as far as stuff already made before the writer strike. So we'll see how that'll yeah. affect things as long as they don't just immediately pivot to AI generated garbage, which one <laughs> might argue is what the flash is. Uh, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, so the INTV plot synopsis for the flash reads, Barry Allen uses his super speed to change the past, but his attempt to save his family creates a world without superheroes, forcing him to race for his life in order to save the future. Uh, so Mike D you've kind of given uh, some hints throughout this first 20 minutes, but what are your overall thoughts on the flash movie? <laughs> um, yeah, my overall thoughts on the flash movie, uh, it's just bad. Just what a waste of everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's like irredeemable. I think there are sections of it that are fun and, and funny and I ha was having a good time. Um, but I think it's, it's two and a half hours long or something like that. It's just way too much going on and it, and it feels like, like poster child for just like bloated, superhero CGI filled garbage to the point where we're redoing the climax from another movie as the climax of this movie to a movie yeah. that I think people didn't really don't really like didn't really like I, like the one thing everyone already always talks about about Man of Steel is like wow I can't believe the end of that movie is so create bad and create and yeah. kill all these people like I think that movie fundamentally changed the way 
superhero movie climaxes happen, right? Now, ever since then, everybody's like, we've fa- evacuated the city after that because yes. like, they kill millions of people in the end of that movie or whatever. Right. I think the, the issue with that one and the kind of the discussion around it with Man of Steel, and this is a movie that came out 10 years ago at this yeah. point, which is crazy to think about, takes place in Metropolis, and it's basically like this like 9-11-esque event. You know, right. it's like a like, huge tragedy that, to Zack Snyder's credit with Batman vs. Superman, also a movie I did not like, the, that movie does try to reckon with that, and it's right. like a bat, and it's a bat out, you know, you know, Bruce Wayne on the ground level, like seeing Superman as a threat uh, and all that kind of stuff. But like the idea of it, and I think our the popular conception of Superman as a character is that, hey, he should be trying to save people and not carelessly throwing lives away as he crashes through buildings. You know, that's right. <laughs> that's sort of the thing with Man of Steel. And then finally, he snaps General Zod's neck at the end of the movie. And it's just this feels like a hyper violent, weird take on Superman that I'm not sure I'm into. I don't really like Man of Steel. I do like it more than Batman vs. Superman and Justice League. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that. But yeah, I know there are people who are fans of Man of Steel. Uh, you know, there are, you know, there's the Snyder bros and all that kind of stuff. I think right. there are. I think especially looking back on like how the DC extended universe has like kind of happened over the last 10 years, uh, there's a lot less cohesion than there was with the Marvel universe, uh, you know, which uh, is is both good and bad. I think that allowed some, you know, weirder experimentation and odder stuff to happen in the DC universe. I think, uh, you know, like the James Gunn's The Suicide Squad being like a good example and like the DC movies kind of embraced doing R-rated stuff uh, before, right. you know, Marvel hasn't done that yet. I think with Deadpool 3, they finally will, you know, and not, not that Marvel needs to. It's just like it's, oh, it's this is a little bit of a different thing, uh, you know, a different flavor of it all. It, it allowed, you know, odd, odder stuff like the Aquaman movie is bananas. You know, it's, right. it's, it's an insane movie. An octopus is playing drums in it, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> when they do try to cohere into like a, its own universe, like and they try to do big crossover events like the Justice League movie, it pretty much always fell flat like it always did not work yeah so i mean uh just broadly i think like maybe the first half of this movie the flash is like kind of fun where it's sort of barry on his own like it's like the very beginning section where he's like cleaning up batman's messes and stuff like that yeah. that part that stuff is fun when it's barry in the past with young barry or whatever that stuff is fun but basically once they meet meet michael uh keaton and then it's like we got to do the superhero team up movie now. And you're like, ah, fuck this. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> it becomes just big CGI stuff uh, and, and everything like that. And the CGI looks awful, which is unfortunate. You know, braver movies that we've covered on the complete works, uh, specifically the heroic trio is not afraid to kill tons of infants. Yeah. Um, and during that section of the beginning of this movie, I was just like, heroic trio would have killed him. Like yeah. would have let them die. That was, <laughs> that's much more interesting. Um, <laughs> So I feel like it's just, I mean, and I get that the point of that is it's like all goofy, heightened cartoon level, like you have to be the best you can be kind of thing. I think is also a falling dog in that section. It's just like very silly. So I get it. It's a joke, but I was just like, I don't know who cares about this movie. And then, and then all the cameo stuff felt weird at the end, like all the, the other universes, which we'll get to specifically with cage and stuff, but all that felt just hollow you know, Grandma Tarkin coming back from the dead. Like, what the fuck is this? What is happening? Yeah. Why are you doing this to these people? Uh, <laughs> and I refuse to believe that Nick Cage filmed anything. And we'll talk about that, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of like bored and tired of it. And like I said, there was only uh, two screenings of it left on one the- in one theater at the multiplex. And there were two other people in there with me. It was just like, this is this movie is dead. Uh, so that's my thoughts on The Flash. Didn't, didn't like it. I'm mad we're covering it. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> I uh, Yeah, I interrupted your trip to Ireland to tell you, I regret to inform you, we have to talk about The Flash on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
which the the reason I like, I was gonna go see it anyway because I'm a like I I'm a sucker and I and I just go to see all these movies. Yeah, but uh, if you also have the the free the pass, right? Like also true. Yeah, I have yeah. the free pass, so I can just kind of do whatever. But yeah, so I go to see all these movies anyway. But uh, like a, a week before the Flash came out, I just happened to be scrolling through uh, Nicolas Cage's filmography, kind of trying to figure out oh what's the next movie we got to talk about. I think it's Sympathy for the Devil. Let's see what the release date is on that. Uh, and then I saw the Flash in there. Yeah, and I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? And so uh, I unfortunately had Nicolas Cage's cameo spoiled for me ahead of time. I mean, I think a lot of people did because that went out viral right away. Um, yeah, or like, at least all the other ones, the, the Christopher Reeve and the George Reeve stuff in particular. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, so I, I found out about the Nick Cage cameo and I saw he was playing Superman and I was like, oh man, well, if he shot something, I'm sure it'll be like, you know, it'll probably just be like an extended cameo. Maybe it'll be like a substantial thing where he helps Barry in a crucial moment or something. It's not. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> it's uh, basically you're watching concept concept art for Superman Lives. You're watching, uh, yeah. you know, him fighting a giant spider, uh, which is a very fun in joke, I think. Yes. Uh, you know, because that's obviously the legendary story around Superman Lives that there's John Peters really wanted to make Superman fight a giant spider. So he, he it finally happens here. That's that's fun. But it is a really weird thing in the context of the movie. It's in the middle of the sequence where Barry enters the Speed Force and you're seeing all these different universes and you're seeing all these different like CGI recreations of past versions of these characters. Uh, and so you're seeing the CGI Superman, uh, Christopher Reeve, you're seeing George Reeves, you're seeing Helen Slater which is weird because the Supergirl movie is also not one that people like. Uh, it's not like a, <laughs> yeah. you know. It, it feels like, you know, just the, the like SpongeBob meme where he's like, I forgot everything about my life about except fine dining and breathing or whatever. And yeah. it's just everybody, but everybody running on, around on fire. And it's just like, you could picture them at WB and Andy Machete be like, get me everything. I don't like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, um, cause yeah, it's, it would be one thing if it was archival footage. Like if they, put in inserts from the Superman See, movies or that would be TV if they were show. gonna do that, that would be the way to go, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then you film one thing of Nicolas Cage like landing on the ground from flying and it stands up and it's him in the suit. Like that would be cool. But no, it's it's PS3, it's hot garbage era graphics reanimating dead people into a thing they never would have agreed to or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It feels, it feels icky and gross and weird. I mean, the George, George Reeves, especially, uh, who yeah. played like that, like, I don't know if you've seen like people talking about the backstory of George Reeves, uh, in the context of this movie, but George Reeves played Superman back in the fifties. on like the events of Superman TV show and Superman and the mole men, the movie. Yeah. Uh, and he was very outspoken about being trapped by the character. He felt he blamed the character for derailing his entire career and ruining his life. And then he killed himself. Uh, you know, they, there's, you know, there's always been controversy about like, oh, maybe it wasn't actually him because he didn't seem suicidal. Like maybe like somebody killed him kind of thing. And there, yeah. was, the whole, there was the movie Hollywood Land that kind of like, you know, dived into that. Right. Which with is ben, ben Affleck. With Ben Affleck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a weird, <laughs> weird, weird connection. Connections are happening there. Yeah. To include him in this feels strange. Uh, and also... I don't. I don't know who that's for necessarily. Like, right. I like. I. I consider myself a, a modern viewer of these superhero movies, and I've never watched uh, any of the George Reeves uh, Adventures of Superman stuff. Like, this is for people in the audience who are like seventy, and nobody who's seventy is going to the Flash. Like, that's, no. <laughs> that's just not happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels weird to include him, um, and then even the like the Nick Cage extended sequence is like, who is this for? Because he gets yeah. the longest thing. He's battling the the super the, the spider, uh, which is cool. Because we saw that documentary and covered it on the podcast, and like we are <laughs> like super aware of that story and that 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 whole thing. Um, but for like, imagine you're 13 or whatever, and you're going to see the Flash because you love comic book movies, and yeah. like 
what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. Like, this and, whole that, and that's the one that gets the biggest spotlight. Like, that's, yeah. like it ends on Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Like, that's the weird thing. And so you have these, like, you know, Christopher, like Christopher Reeve, the most iconic Superman, you know, ever, like still, still yet to be topped. Maybe David Corn's wet can get there. Who knows? Maybe. But yeah, then it ends on Nicolas Cage and, you know, I love Nick Cage and uh, it's, it's ostensibly fun to see him doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I say ostensibly because it it's one of those things like by the time that happened, I was just kind of like, man, I mean, maybe if I hadn't spoiled it for myself like a week ahead of time, maybe this would be like a fun surprise. But watching it, like, it just feels like, okay, this is like the eighth cameo in this like, you know, cameo brigade of, you know, and all the other cameos put me in a bad mood because of what yeah. they did. <laughs> and just piss off by the end of it. Yeah, exactly. And so by the time you get to Nicolas Cage and you have this like kind of like, you know, CG rendered thing where it's Cage fighting uh, the giant spider and it lasts for 15 seconds and it goes in his face and uh, he screams at one point. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's why I think okay, uh, that was my thing where it's like, okay, I guess that has to be Cage screaming. We have to cover this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember if, what he, if he screams or what he says. Um, yeah, he just screams. He never says anything. He never has any dialogue. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, you know, he just screams at one point and that's it. Uh, the rest of them are just standing there. Like, they're not doing anything. They're kind of just standing and watching their universe collapse. And it's like, well, I guess that's all we can do. And yeah, Nick Cage is fighting the giant spider, and that's it. But it gets the biggest spotlight, and it is one of those things where it's like, yeah, like, we know about this. Yeah. Like, we, like we're aware of, you know, Nick Cage's Superman. That's a fun in-joke. If you put that in there, like, in the middle somewhere, that could be fun. Uh, but for it to center on that, general audiences are not going to know what this is. Like, why, Like they're going to be confused as to why Nicolas Cage is there. Right. Like, why is he Spider-Man in this? That's so strange. Superman. Um, for Superman. Uh, he has spider been Spider-Man. <laughs> he's fighting his fighter. That's why I said that. Yeah, um, yeah why is he Superman? Uh, very strange. Within the runtime of this movie, I got fatigued with superhero stuff. <laughs> it's just like, I'm, I'm checked out of these things, uh, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but like it, it does the Michael Keaton of it all, like himself, um, not to pivot away from the Nick Cage stuff, but, uh, it's kind of this similar thing where Michael Keaton himself wasn't that fun for me, but like the iconography and imagery of his Batman was kind of cool. Like when they whip the, the cover off the Batmobile and it's the one from his movie, you're like, sure, that's fucking cool. Uh, yeah. The shot of him, uh, of them like parachuting out of the uh, bat plane, whatever they call it, bat wing or whatever the hell it's called, uh, and it's like silhouetted against the full moon, so it's like it creates the logo. I was like, that's kind of cool. Like some of that stuff is fun, but then also Michael Keaton's Batman is fighting as if he's twenty year twenty years old because it's just an animated fight. All of the fight scenes are animated; it's no, nothing is real in them. Yeah. So he doesn't look like a sixty five year old Michael Keaton or however old he is. Uh, tr like he's never once portrayed as like too old for this shit at all. Um, yeah. And then becomes hollow. It wraps back around again <laughs> to just yeah. becoming a hollow emptiness. And I also was confused about whether this Michael Keaton Batman was supposed to be the same Michael Keaton Batman that we watched in the Tim Burton movies. I, um, I mean, it can't be because it's not that Gotham. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, so there's like a throwaway line at one point where he's like, oh yeah, I cleaned Gotham up. I did too good of a job as Batman and now there's no crime. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, all right, sure. Yeah, it was a weird thing where it's like, why are you bringing back Michael Keaton if it's not going to be the same Michael Keaton that was in the first two Batmans, right? Yeah. Like the, it's weird because they are, it's his vehicle, it's his Batcave. He says lines from his old movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, they turn, you want to get nuts, let's get nuts into like a real dramatic callback kind of yeah. thing, which uh, it references those movies in that way. But like, 
in terms of the character, in terms of the way it's portrayed, it never feels the same as it used to, uh, which you compare it to like, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home when they bring back Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. They are very much recognizably like, oh, no, those are supposed to be the guys from those movies. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. This movie, this movie could have used uh, because I just I know you're on the Christopher Nolan rewatch and I saw you just watched Tenet recently. Yeah. It could have used a scene where a scientist just turns to the camera and says, don't try to figure it out. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> and then I would have been like, okay. <laughs> you know? would, I, just, it, I need somebody to tell me that and then I'm okay. <laughs> I need the movie to acknowledge that it doesn't really make sense and that it's fine. Um, because otherwise you get wrapped up in these weird logic things. We're like, well, which, which Batman is this? Are, are you telling me Barry Allen was in the Tim Burton movies and we just never saw him? <laughs> you know, like right. that kind of in that universe. Yeah. And um, then does the Tim, the Tim Burton movies are supposed to lead to Man of Steel? Like, is yeah. that... <laughs> <laughs> because he cleaned up Gotham, we get Superman. And there is one really funny scene at the beginning of this uh, where uh, when when Wonder Woman shows up at the end of that big chase scene and stuff and, and it yeah. has the lasso of truth around Bruce Wayne, like helping him fall, save him from falling off the bridge. And he's like, well, you know, if I really want to end crime, I should end poverty. <laughs> like have him acknowledge that like, yeah, he has the means to do it. He just wants to beat up poor people. Um, right. Which is fun. Uh, and that like that's when it's doing that kind of stuff in this movie where it's like kind of just playing off the kind of absurdity and a little bit of goofiness of the whole superhero situation. Um, it's fun, like in particular, the scene where um, it's Barry and Barry and all the roommates and they're doing the like Eric Stoltz is back to the future thing. Like that whole bit is like fun. I had a good time with that stuff because it's just like silly. Uh, but then it's like pivot to like, Oh, general's eyes going to end the world again. You're just like, ah, yeah, it is weird that like, you know, he changed the universe and like the only meaningful changes that like really happened are like his mom was still alive. And also Eric Stoltz was in back to the future. Like that's yeah. Although, <laughs> but, it is, but that is a fun, like, you know, it's fun that that's like the hint that he gets that like, Oh, this is the wrong universe. Like the universe is wrong somehow. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, and, and they kind of like go through like, Oh yeah. You know, Mar uh, Michael J. Fox, the star of footloose, right? Like they, like, that's no, the that was Kevin Bacon. Oh, Top Gun. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like that, all that was fun just because that's silly. But yeah, it's just like, all right, I don't know. We've done this. How many times do we have to have somebody explain to somebody timelines? I, I don't know. It felt like there was a pause for applause when uh, Michael Keaton says bingo multiverse or whatever. Like when he's like, using the stri <laughs> like the spaghetti to explain how it happens. Oh, right. Yeah. And he's like, and that's how you get the multiverse. And you're like, why, why are you pausing here? Why is there a beat yeah. for this? Uh, this is weird. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like the, you know, how many times does this, uh, how many scenes do you have to have in movies where somebody folds a piece of paper and says the closest, the shortest point between two places is zero. And then they punch a hole through it with a pencil, like <laughs> yes. in stellar <laughs> yeah, or event horizon event horizon. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We actually like, event horizon, I think did it first and interstellar weirdly ripped that movie off, uh, yeah. which is a very funny thing. Interstellar rules. Also, I just, it does, that. absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, but then they do it in Thor 11 thunder also, um, yeah. which Natalie Portman does it, but then like deliberately reference, like mentions event horizon when she does it. Like you never seen event horizon, you dummy. Yeah. So I don't know. It's very, and then, like, how many times do we have to have somebody explain how multiverses work now at this point, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've had, like, it, it's, the multiverses are having a moment, and I think that moment is just about done. I think we're, yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, other than the Spider-Verse movies, I don't want to see any more multiverse stuff, is basically kind of how I'm feeling about it at this point. Yes. Uh, which is, you know, I think we're going to have to see what happens with Marvel, and I mean, you're you're kind of, like, off the Marvel train, except for select stuff here and there at this point. Yeah. Um, but Marvel really hitched their ride to the whole Kang thing. Um, oh, whoops. Which, uh, 
<laughs> you know, I'm not sure if they're going to recast that or whatever, but obviously Jonathan Major is having his own, you know, personal problems at this <laughs> moment. To put it lightly. Yeah. To put it lightly, yeah. I believe he's in court right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, and so, uh, so they really hitched their ride to the whole Kang multiverse thing. And I'm, I'm really curious if they're going to either recast that role or if they're just going to put their heads down and try to keep going or if they're going to pivot entirely because people are, I think, a lot of their movies are starting to underperform. Ant-Man did not do well. Doctor Strange and Thor 4, they both kind of underperformed as well. I think Black Panther did okay, like decent, but like de- the trend is downward, you yes. know, and I think people are kind of getting sick of A, the multiverse stuff, B, the endless glut of content that we're kind of getting with uh, movies and TV shows. I'm currently watching Secret Invasion, which I'll talk about on Mike and Mike Go to the Movies, but that show... <laughs> It's really boring. <laughs> uh, and it's and it shouldn't be. It's a show with Sam Jackson fighting shape-shifting aliens. Like that should be that should be a slam dunk, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so really weird how that's all kind of happening. Um, hitching their ride to the multiverse stuff is maybe not the best idea. I think we're kind of getting sick of it. I, I think that Deadpool 3 <laughs> might be like the last gasp of multiverse stuff. And I believe that movie will like, you know make fun of it all like you know yeah. it's, it's deadpool uh and I, th- I did see the idea and there's like a lot of rumored cameos that are going to be in deadpool 3 which happened like every marvel movie now like the rumors kind of fly yeah. about which which who's going to show up i remember when like dr strange was coming out there was like rumors that like tom cruise was going to be there as an alternate version of iron man or something and that didn't happen but deadpool 3 is bringing back hugh jackman as wolverine obviously they just mentioned they're bringing back uh, jennifer garner as Electra, and i think the idea of it might be to like do a multiverse for all the failed X-Men heroes uh, or the failed Fox heroes, like X-Men yeah. Fantastic Four stuff, which that could be a really fun way to make fun of the whole multiverse thing if they do that well. So we'll see how that goes. But I do think the multiverse stuff uh, has a uh, like a limit on it. Like I feel, I feel like people are done with it. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we gave the Oscar to everything everywhere all at once and now we can move on. <laughs> yeah. And I think I even remember us talking about, was it everything everywhere all at once? I don't remember so, uh, so probably something like along those lines. And we knew that the, the the wrong lesson that the studios and everybody would take away from it would be the multiverse thing and not like an amazing character story. <laughs> um, right. And yeah, I mean, using multiverse stuff in the original context of this movie or the original plan to like soft reset a lot of things for the DCEU and like that makes that like a pretty clever, I don't know if it's not clever, but like it's a pretty good way to to do that within the context of like a major studio tentpool franchise. Be like, yeah. well, well, time, wibbly wobbly, it's different people now. <laughs> yeah, like uh, the continuity still matters, but it's different now, you know, yeah. that, 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 that kind of thing. Yeah, that's fine. You know, that would have been cool. Yeah, um, and pretty in keeping with how comics have worked for the last like, exactly, 40 years yeah. too, yeah. But I think we're just, we're at a, we're at a, saturation point with a lot of this stuff um, outside of the multiverse thing, just in general. Uh, So we'll see what happens, I guess with that. Um, And I am excited for the James Gunn stuff because I have really, I did really love the suicide squad. I really loved uh, Peacemaker. Peacemaker. I'm excited for that. And it might only be the things that he's directly involved with that I'm excited for actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Uh, whatever he might be doing. I don't know. Sure. But, We'll we'll see what happens with the the future of the DCEU. Uh, or, but there's a new name for it too. It's not. It's, it's just DCU now, uh, which is kind of what it should have just been from the beginning. It's it's a yeah. weird. <laughs> but yeah, just DC Universe now instead of DC Extended Universe. I think originally they were like, oh well, I'll have to differentiate it from the comics. And it's like, oh, I don't know if you do necessarily. Oh, it's <laughs> maybe from the with the TV shows also and stuff because those are all pretty interconnected. Sure. Uh, well, the t- the TV shows were called the Arrowverse. Um, oh, that's because, right. I because forgot. Arrow was the first one, and they all kind of spun off from that. Uh, and I was watching those shows for a long time. I was, you know, fair, fairly into them. But 
but it, in sort of a love hate relationship kind of way, because like it, there was some really fun stuff in there. There was also some really dumb stuff in there. Like it was a mixed bag. I would always like, you know, be into the big crossover event they would always do. Like right. there would be an annual crossover uh, or a Crisis on Earth X was the best one it ruled. Um, but there was a crossover. They did Crisis on Infinite Earths where they crossed over all the shows. It was like a big five part crossover. That was the one where Ezra Miller showed up mm. uh, and they brought in cameos from all kinds of different other DC stuff. Like Burt Ward showed up as uh, Robin cool. uh, at one point. And uh, Kevin Conroy played like a live action Batman. Tom Welling came back from Smallville, you know, that like that kind of thing. They brought in all these characters like from different stuff and that was really fun. And then once it was over, uh, Arrow ended like an episode later and it was like, this is a good stopping point. I, yeah. I'm done now. <laughs> I wonder if that, that contributes to the like flash fatigue also because like at any moment you want, there's like what, 15 seasons of that show uh, or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, that show actually I think just ended and I think I think it was like the last remaining show, the yeah. last remaining DC TV show because uh, they all have kind of like just kind of trickled off in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, The Flash just ended. I believe there's like eight or nine seasons of it. I, yeah. I, I watched like six seasons of it and really enjoyed most of it. Uh, and yeah, I think the first season of The Flash especially is like, yeah, this is how you do it. This is like really just fun, goofy Flash stuff. Doesn't take itself too seriously. Grant Gustin's a really fun Flash. Uh, and it also covers a lot of the same territory. It's like it's covering, you know, Barry Allen going back in time, trying to save his mom and all that kind of stuff. It's all there in the Flash TV show. Yeah, which I never watched. But like, you know, if you're like a Flash person, like you, you ha you've had your fill for a while. <laughs> or, yeah. or, you know, <laughs> maybe you're just kind of done with it. Um, yeah, there it is. The Flash. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, so, uh, well, we, my overall thoughts, I don't think we've even like said like, oh, what do I overall think? I mean, I, you can guess, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of this movie either. I do think the first 20, 30 minutes are kind of fun. I, I liked yeah. the whole baby sequence, like the stuff where the baby's <laughs> falling out of the hospital uh, was, I thought, very funny and like creative and uh, goofy and weird. And he sticks a baby in a microwave at one point. <laughs> yeah, just to set up the, a vomit gag two hours later. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Uh, and so enjoyed all that. Uh, and then, yeah, as soon as you get to the other universe, hey, I, I find Ezra Miller pretty grating in this movie. And uh, you see them twice. There, There's two Ezra Millers in this movie. Yeah. And they're both pretty grating, I think. Uh, you know, so there's that. Not a big fan of them in this. Uh, and, you know, the supporting cast around them, uh, I think it's theoretically fun to see Michael Keaton again, but he doesn't really get anything real to do. And Sasha Kelly, I think, is actually very good as Supergirl. I like seeing oh, yeah. her. She rocks. I forgot about it. I wanted yeah, to mention She was that. really actually, cool. She's think, incredible. Like, I like her introduction scene when she, like, just, uh, they save her from the, uh, like, the place, like, where, where she's being held in Russia or whatever, and yeah. then she just beats up all these dudes. Fucking ruled. It was, it was so cool. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. And I know there is a Supergirl movie in the works. I don't know if she will be that Supergirl or whatever, um, but I kind of hope she is. She's really good in this. Yeah, yeah, that, that that moment actually was, like, really dramatic and cool where, like, you know, she's been kept in this, like, concrete Siberian bunker or whatever, and they bring her outside in the shadow just – the sun moves just enough that she gets, like, a pinky in the sunshine, and then it's just, yeah. like, boom, and she's, like, up and doing it. I was like, that actually really rules. This is cool. Yes. Yeah, it was really, really fun. Uh, and then the movie does a weird thing where, like – they make it so that in every universe, both her and Michael Keaton's Batman die over and over again. forever. Yeah. <laughs> just just perpetually die nonstop. Uh, and the weird thing, and I was kind of reading about the ending of this movie where George Clooney shows up. That was not the original ending of the movie. That kind of came about at a very, as a very last minute um, sort of thing. I think originally the movie was going to end uh, with, you know, Barry in the courtroom. His dad is freed. And uh, Sasha Kelly and Michael Keaton are there in the stands. Like, ah. they, they are part of his universe now. Like, basically, after James Gunn took over and the whole universe, like, kind of imploded upon itself, um, <laughs> they had to, like, rework what the ending is. And I don't think uh, maybe they weren't available or whatever it was. But, yeah, so the movie kind of just ends with them dead. 
presumably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and like it ends on like enough of a cliffhanger that like you know, like you could have other like Barry's still trying to get home, like like uh like sliders or some shit. Um yeah. uh, or like this is just quantum the leap. End. Yeah, quantum leap. Yeah, exactly. Or this is just kind of the end and like Barry is now in this universe instead and like that's it. because uh, you know, the, I that that was like a pretty fun reveal. Where he's like, you know, the court, the the courtroom exonerates Ron Livingston, uh, and then he call Bruce Wayne calls him, and he's like, "I'm pulling up right now." And the door opens, and you're like, "Okay, well, which one? Who is it going to be?" And it's and it's George Clooney, which is pretty fun. Yeah. And there's he drops uh, Ezra Miller drops the f bomb, which is like funny, I guess. I don't know, like who the fuck is this guy? Uh, and it's like cut to black. Um, so yeah, I don't know, like whatever. <laughs> Basically, how it feels, because also like where's. What, where's George Clooney's universe now? What is this? Like, what? <laughs> Right, exactly. And I mean, it's weird because the, in Batman and Robin, that's supposed to be a sequel to the Michael Keaton ones. They just recast. Right. You know, it's, <laughs> so it's not, it, that's supposed to be the same universe. It's same Commissioner Gordon and same uh, Alfred in, yeah. in that movie, you know? And, you know, it's the same Robin from the previous movie, from the one with Val Kilmer. You know, that's just how the 90s worked. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's just, so, yeah, it's one of those things where if you think about it too hard, none of it's going to make sense. But, yeah, it's, it's, I think, a fun idea to have George Clooney pop up at the end. But it, it sort of establishes, like, oh, this is Bruce Wayne in this universe now. And it's like, okay, well, if that's Bruce Wayne in this universe now, is George Clooney going to be in more of these movies? Right. Because I, I really doubt it. Like, I don't yeah, think no that's going to happen. <laughs> They might have been archival footage from a Nespresso commercial that they just CGI'd the background <laughs> into. It's uh, George Clooney and Danny DeVito is right behind him. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who was the penguin once? Uh, That's right. So it, it would work. It's all coming together. Uh, you know what? Actually, secret masterpiece, The Flash. Um, <laughs> I guess we got to talk about like specifically the Nick Cage stuff, which we're an hour into this episode and we haven't even done the actual format of the episode. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, what did you think of Nicolas Cage in The Flash, Mike? This is bullshit. That's all I got to say. This yes. isn't, it's not really him. There's no way. I don't believe you. I don't, whatever uh, they say so is a lie. I will, I will tell you this on Wikipedia. Um, uh -huh. you know, it, it mentions like, okay, Nicolas Cage makes a cameo as his alternate version of Superman, all that kind of stuff. Cage shot his scenes, uh, through volumetric capture and CGI was used to de-age him, um, is what they say. So they shot his scenes through volumetric capture, which is basically like, the Mandalorian, you know, the right, thing with yeah. like the, you know, the green screen behind him that has like all the displays and all that kind of stuff. So theoretically, Nick Cage shot something, but then they see, I don't know why they felt the need to DH him. Like it would have been fine just seeing normal Nick Cage uh, yeah. as Superman. George Clooney's uh, old. Michael yeah. Keaton's old. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what? Uh, so yeah, a very weird thing. But yeah, they use CGI to DH him to make him look like he does in the Superman lives test footage, I guess, because uh, he has the long hair again. It's like the same suit. Yeah, the suit uh, that, that ends like a couple inches too short. So like there's just a lot of chest hair sticking out of the top. Yes. Uh, yeah. So again, as a, as a cage aficionado, uh, a theoretically very fun cameo. Yes. Um, I wish they could have done more with that, you know, and maybe not de-aged him in that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It feels real weird. And yeah, I mean, it's just it's just like a, we're, we're stretching, I think, the definition of a cameo, just putting in a. Like if it was archival footage, now obviously for Nick Cage, like what archival? Like what's it going to be? The test footage? Like what is that, that going to be? Hilarious! They just showed the test footage with like <laughs> Tim Burton poking around him. Like oh yeah, yeah I think it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that would be hilarious. But like in that kind of situation, like maybe. But this feels even more hollow to me, where it's just kind of like we have created a thing whole cloth that didn't exist, and we're telling you it's the person. Like yeah, 
Stop it. What are you doing? Uh, Uh, Words words mean things is what I'm saying. Exactly. And I feel like we haven't even like really scratched the surface on how ghoulish all these cameos are. This is why Uh, the writers are on strike. (laughs) This is 100%. Like, this is it. Uh, And yeah, I think, I mean, we've seen this kind of thing happen in a few other movies. Uh, You know, I think you mentioned Grey Moff Tarkin in Rogue One. Uh, We saw like the, uh, there was like a CGI Leia in Rise of Skywalker, which was kind of used to complete her performance in that movie, right? Yeah. She's, like, she died before they could shoot anything for that movie. Actually. I think that's so, all footage from Last Jedi. Yeah, I think uh, whatever footage she's actually on screen for in Rise of Skywalker is footage from Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Yeah. Uh, and then there's, like, a CGI version of her in there. And in Rogue One, actually, there's a young CGI Leia in yeah. there. Uh, and then recently in uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, uh, there is a de-aged Harrison Ford uh, in the first, like, you know, 20 minutes of the movie. I-, I feel weird about it. I mean, bringing people back from the dead, not a fan. Not, yeah. not, not big on that. And I think, uh, you know, I think the worst case of this, it might be the Flash now, but like a couple years ago, there was Ghostbusters Afterlife, and there was a CGI Harold Ramis uh, right. that, where they brought him back as a literal ghost, uh, and I I was horrifically upset by it. It's <laughs> it's really bad. It, I've always said about Afterlife, if it wasn't a Ghostbusters movie, it'd be pretty good. Like, right. I, I, think, <laughs> I think if it wasn't trapped by being a Ghostbusters thing, it's well made, it's fun, uh, but every time it like does like a Ghostbusters lore thing or treats Ghostbusters like it's Star Wars, it's just, ugh, God, I don't like it. Um, and that's, there's too much love for all kinds of different brands at this point, I think. That's like the brands love themselves too much. Yeah. Uh, is is part of it too. But yeah, with, uh, with the de-aging stuff, I feel like if it's done well, it can be fine if it's a living person who is de-aged. I think uh, Marvel did a pretty good job of this for a while. I think uh, Sam Jackson in Captain Marvel looks pretty good. You know, he, he looks good in that movie. I think, uh, and before that, there was like a couple of like, you know, attempts at it with like Michael Douglas and Ant-Man or like right. Kurt Russell and Guardians 2. Uh, and they, they, for the most part, looked pretty good. And I feel like in the years since, de-aging people has looked less good you know overworked vfx houses or whatever it is but like watching dial of destiny and seeing the 30 year old harrison ford in the first 20 minutes of the movie it's weird because they don't change his voice so it still sounds like 80 year old harrison Ford. is it <laughs> do you know if it was still harrison ford filming that and then they just de-aged his face or do they use a younger actor because i remember people hmm. talking about that with uh, the irishman i think oh sure where it's the de-aged Robert De Niro stuff who's supposed to be 30 moving like he's 80. <laughs> You're like, yes, uh, and that that is a thing in The Irishman, but the thing is The Irishman rules. It's well, a, yeah, <laughs> but I just mean it, it creates this weird, like, uncanny uncanny valley response. It where does. Like, this isn't what my eyes are actually seeing, so yeah, it feels weird. It does, and I think in The Irishman, I was able to kind of buy it uh, mostly because he doesn't do all that. Like, yeah, I think he, like, kicks somebody once or something. There's, like, yeah. a, you know, kind of a kicking thing. This is, a like, a full-on Indiana Jones action set piece that has him, like, you know, jumping on, like, on top of a moving truck train okay. and like doing all this stuff and punching out Nazis and stuff. Uh, and it still sounds like 80 year old Harrison Ford, but it looks like 30 year old Harrison Ford. Uh, like, I think it is technically good, but because I know that Harrison Ford is not 30 years old anymore. And I know what Harrison Ford looks like now it looks wrong, you know, like, right. <laughs> like it, there's that uncanny Valley aspect of it that I couldn't get past, uh, in the first 20 minutes of dial destiny. It just felt weird. So yeah. And then when in the flash, when it's like Christopher Reeve popping up and it's like, okay, he gets on screen and then that's it. He doesn't, I mean, he doesn't do anything. He just kind of stands there, <laughs> you know, yeah. which is like, I guess theoretically better than trying to insert him into a full on scene. Right. But like, like why, why feel the need for this? Why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very strange that they're all just like um, 
like within that scene with like the universes colliding and stuff, they're all just kind of like looking at a tear in reality into other universes. Yeah. So it's like a bunch of dudes looking through windows at each other. Yeah. And you're not, just like, tr- not trying to help. Like they're no. Superman. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that too. Yeah. So it feels very much just like, ah, do you like this one? Ooh, what about this guy? Yes. Ooh, isn't this fun? Um, and, and if you're going to do that, like why not go all the way? Right. You know, why, why not have the other Superman, like Brandon Routh, have him show up. Where's or, Brandon, you know, what's he doing? You know? Yeah. I mean, Brandon, Brandon Routh was on the CW shows for a while. Oh, he really? Was a different character, but he did play Superman again in the Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, nice. <laughs> crossover, cool. which is pretty fun. Uh, but like, also, you know, just throwing this out there, a lot of this movie hinges on the ending of a Henry Cavill movie. Maybe if Henry Cavill show up. <laughs> right. Well, he's dead. They killed the infant in this universe. L-O-J-K. Remember? Uh, Zod says. Right, right, right. Yes. Um, but yeah, super weird that like in all the infinite possibilities, the one where it's Henry Cavill is not possible. It's, it's not there. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Yeah, it's, it's super weird. Uh, and then, and then you know, you have all these alternate Batmans and it's like, oh yeah, why not have like a you know, young Val Kilmer or whatever. Like, why not, Why are you doing just one yeah. <laughs> and not all of them? You know, if you're going to do the whole museum of, you know, old Supermans and Batmans or whatever, uh, like, why not have all of them there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't tell in the scene in the Batcave where uh, Michael Keaton, like, or I guess it's not in the Batcave, but at, at Wayne Manor where he, like, decides to finally help them and he, like, yeah. flicks the switch and, the, and all of the suits show up. Like, I didn't look close enough to notice if those were the other people's suits because like his with the okay. yellow logo is right in the middle like that's the front and center one yeah but like how many suits could he have made <laughs> he's, he's only like, in two movies yeah, he's only in two movies <laughs> but um yeah very very strange i don't know whatever yeah i, w- I will say uh, having just done my christopher nolan rewatch as you mentioned before uh, i've recently rewatched all of the uh, the uh, christian bale batman movies uh i'm glad those movies were untouched i'm glad those movies yes. remain on their own <laughs> There's no way Christian Bale's <laughs> coming back from the Flash. Yes, uh, like just their own little isolated thing. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Christian Bale would ever come back unless given like a giant sack of money, uh, and and for something that I think is like on par with the other movies. You know, I yeah. feel like like unless Christopher Nolan decided to make a fourth one and he came back, like that would be. That would I feel rock. like that would be the only way to do it. You know, <laughs> that would rock if he just comes back and he. If what if Christopher Nolan beats Disney or Disney beats? Wait, hold on. I'm crossing. I'm crossing streams up. I was going to say Sinister Six, but that's oh. because Craven the Hunter trailer played before this, and I was like, they're still okay. trying this shit. Um, yep. <laughs> but that's that's the the Fox Spider Man uh, stuff. That's the uh, Sony Spider Man stuff. Sony. Yes. Oh my god. Yes. Who gives a shit? It's all one company anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I was gonna say, what if what if Christopher Nolan beats them to like a, a like super villain team up movie? Is where I was going with that <laughs> that thought. He just he's like, boom, I'm back. I don't yes. know. I don't know what they're called in this Batman universe, but like the Rogues Gallery or whatever, yeah, uh, some shit. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think at, at at this point, actually, I mean, Nolan has pretty much left WB behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's uh, because of uh, I think. You know, I mean, Tenant did not do what they wanted it to do, partially because, you know, it opened in the middle of the pandemic. It was yeah. <laughs> in 2020 when it came out. He's a little um, bitch baby. Uh, but also, you know, I, I, he's not been a fan of the way they've been treating filmmakers over the last couple of years. And, True. Uh, you know, who can blame him? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, uh, uh, so there's that. Uh, and so, yeah, I think Oppenheimer is a universal movie, I think. Um, that's right. Something else, like some other studio that's not WB, uh, which is his first non-WB movie since Memento. Uh, he's worked with WB his entire career, basically. Whoa. Uh, which is kind of a crazy thing. That's a, that's a big loss for them, you know, to lose <laughs> Nolan. That's huge. Yeah. I don't <laughs> um, think Saz loves too bad. I mean, you know, he can remove whatever for a tax break and he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, otherwise, yeah, Nicolas Cage is in the movie. Uh, do, how do you think this fits into the Cage roles we've seen so far, Mike? <laughs> um, 
well, I guess, you know, of course, the death of Superman lives. Yeah. Uh, uh, Teen Titans go. Sure. That's kind of really it. <laughs> That's pretty much it. I mean, Spider-Verse, if you want to include the multiverse stuff. Uh, yeah. You know. He, he's somebody that I had, I mean, I'm trying to think of other roles. Because it's interesting with, like, with where Cage and Goldblum are in their careers, uh, as far as people we've covered, they're, we're both, they're both in like t- 10th build and featuring Nick Cage and featuring, uh, Jeff Goldblum, like status in their careers. So, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think if Nick Cage has had any other moments where he's really just this kind of like 10 second cameo, 30 second cameo. Uh, uh the only one that comes to mind right now is, uh, never on Tuesday, Mike, yes. uh, which, <laughs> <laughs> the complete opposite end of the career spectrum, but you're correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which never, never on Tuesday, he pops in for like 30 seconds, does a weird voice, has a goofy nose, and he's done. Uh, That's a Rifkin joint, right? Was that a Rifkin? That joint? is, uh, I believe, yeah, directed by Adam Rifkin uh, yeah. as well. Uh, directed by, or yeah, I think, I think directed written by, by something. I don't remember. Yeah, but, he was uh, definitely, he was definitely involved, and I'm pretty sure he actually directed it. Yeah, because I don't know if you saw uh, to totally go off on a on a Rifkin thing. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome put out like a huge box set of his stuff that's like the Adam Rifkin Film Festival or something. And oh, really? It's a ton of like short films and early stuff. And like it's like a whole bunch of just random shit that he has made before. And I don't think any of it's feature length. Or maybe it's like a couple like student films or something okay. like that. But I was like, this is such a weird <laughs> like collection of things and like a, a, a filmmaker to highlight in this way. <laughs> it's Adam Rifkin. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, Adam Rifkin did direct uh, and wrote Never on Tuesday. It was it. actually his first film uh, as director. Oh, look at that. So there you go. A friend of, friend of season two of the pod. Uh, yes. For, who recommended that we buy the DVD to Welcome to Hollywood. Uh, Welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> well, at least it was on eBay. He wasn't like, come, to, I'll buy it from me. You know, he was yeah. like, just find it on eBay. Um, but yeah, Welcome to Hollywood. There we yes, go. Yes, absolutely. Uh, all right. Any other, I mean, I don't think we need to do a full rundown of the movie uh, for The Flash. Uh, you know, I think we've kind of covered the basics pretty much. Yeah, he goes back to the past. He changes the thing, changes the future by accident. Whoops. Yes. Uh, you uh, you know, tra- tries to save his mom, ends up having to kill her again. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, but ultimately, you know, brings his dad back. Uh, you know, there's the uh, the sort of pseudo romance between him and Iris West, which I think is pretty underdeveloped. You know, just alternate universe stuff like uh, the people who work with him at uh, CCPD are actually like his roommates in the other universe or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah, they're college roommates or whatever. Like the stoner roommates, right? Yeah, and they're the ones that do the the like. Oh yeah, Top Gun, like that whole thing uh, with yes. the different Eric Stoltz. Um, but I, I do love that 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 detail that Eric Stoltz's Marty McFly is like the go-to number one reference in everything. That like we're in a different universe because Eric yes. Stoltz is, is Marty McFly. Um, <laughs> that's, like one, a, that's one of those things that when I first found that out, I feel like that wasn't information that a lot of people knew. No, that was like a pretty deep cut thing, I think, for a while. Yeah, because I, I remember like you know I had my Back to the Future Blu-ray and that was in like the making of documentary, and I was like, oh my god, I had no idea they shot like three weeks of footage of Eric Stoltz. Uh, and now it's become like a pretty ubiquitous fact where people just know that Eric Stoltz uh, almost played Marty McFly uh, to the point where um, it, you watch the after party, right? Um, yes. There's a there's a line in one of the songs in the in the after party that Ben Schwartz sings in the song uh, Two Shots, yeah, uh, where he's like Eric Stoltz couldn't go back in time and get rehired as Marty in Back to the Future after he was fired. Uh, so it's like it's in there, it's in the pop culture, it's in yeah. it's in the consciousness. Everybody knows. Yeah, much like everybody knows Nicolas Cage's Superman was going to fight a giant spider, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, th- I think a less ubiquitous uh, pop culture fact. So. <laughs> um, yeah. But a, a terrifically entertaining Kevin Smith story, if anybody wants to go yeah. listen to that. <laughs> yeah, go just go on YouTube and find it. Yeah, so he does that, and then, and then of course, he kills, re- redoes the end of Man of Steel infinite times until they win, I guess. Um, yes. Uh, and also, I, yeah, we should mention, Michael Shannon's in this. I mean, yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's back. He? I mean, he's in it. He, he's actually... 
He's actually in the movie. Like, oh, okay. It's, it's not I like Cage, tell. where it's like he's DA, like CGI DAs or whatever, but it is actually Michael Shannon there. It is. I'm not right. sure if he's like, I'm not sure if he shared a scene with anybody. Um, right. But, but he's actually there, you know. Do you think uh, Gal Gadot actually filmed with them in that, or is this another movie that? Because I can't remember a shot if they're actually on screen together uh, at so, all. So I think uh, I I don't know. But this, if she has didn't film with anybody else, I think this would be the third movie I've seen this year in which that happened. Um, because the, the same thing happened in Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Yeah, uh, where she she popped up as Wonder Woman again and saved the day. The same thing happened in Fast X, right. where she shows up as Giselle at the very end. Uh, and both of those were like. You know, end of movie, green screen, very clearly not sharing the scene with anybody kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think in Shazam, she might be side by side with Zachary Levi, but I doubt they were on set together. <laughs> uh, I, I, And then in this one, yeah, she pops up and it's a scene with her and uh, Ben Affleck and Ezra Miller. And yeah, I'm not sure if she actually shares, like, shares the screen with them. Like, I yeah, think there's, she a, there's just... a couple like over the shoulder shots and stuff, but I don't remember if you actually see her face at the same time as you see yes. their faces. <laughs> but she's, she's making a career out of popping up in five second cameos, uh, <laughs> to, which, you know, good for her, I guess. Um, yeah. And it's undeniable that anytime that like guitar riff, like Wonder Woman God, theme. It fucking rules. It, <laughs> so it cranks cool. the movie to 11 for the five seconds that it's playing and then yes. it goes back to normal. <laughs> yeah, it, it rules so hard. Uh, and it's one of those things that's like, that's, that's my big takeaway from the whole Snyder universe is that like, you know, there was a lot of things that didn't work, but the Wonder Woman main riff fucking kicks ass. I feel yeah. like when it first happened, people were like, that's kind of out of place. Yeah. Uh, and now every time I'm, I hear it, I'm like, this is like the one recognize, this is the one piece of like recognizable movie music from anything in the last like 10 years. Absolutely. And this movie you know? also leans really heavily on the uh, Batman, the theme from Batman, like with Michael Keaton. Oh, the Danny uh, Elfman uh, theme. Yeah. Yes. The Danny Elfman theme. So this movie knows, you know, it's like, we got, we got nothing. Let's go, go to the Danny Elfman again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. That's it. <laughs> yeah. As, as far in as in conclusion, the flash, the flash uh, <laughs> two stars. Yeah. Uh, I gave it two and a half, but that was maybe being a little bit generous. Uh, but yeah, uh, a lot of stuff that doesn't work in here. I think some fun stuff, but it is really outweighed by the stuff that really does not work. Oh, I wanted to ask, is there a post-credit scene? Oh, you skipped it. I, I assumed there would be, but I left. I was like, yeah, I don't uh, care. fair enough. Yeah. So, uh, there is a post-credit scene, Mike, okay. uh, and that scene, uh, it's not like a big tease for the universe or anything, but basically it's Ezra Miller um, at a bar with Jason Momoa um, oh. as Aquaman. Uh, so I mentioned I mentioned before Aquaman's in this. Oh, you I, did, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Jason Momoa as Aquaman. They're at a bar together, and uh, Aquaman is piss drunk <laughs> and uh, is like just falling like falling all over himself and like flops down on the ground and like lands face first in a puddle and gets his strength back because he's Aquaman, <laughs> which is that's, funny. That's funny. Uh, uh, but the entire time Ezra Miller is like kind of trying to explain to him like the universe is different uh, and you know Aquaman's too drunk to care <laughs> amazing and I, and I believe I think the idea of it is that like they're sort of meeting for the first time like he doesn't know the right. Flash that scene actually is very funny uh, earlier on in the movie when he try like it's interesting that the first person he tries to find is Aquaman um, right yeah uh, but then yeah, he calls up Aquaman's father and he's like, isn't, isn't your wife like the queen of Atlantis? And it's like hard cut to that woman on the couch. He's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and like that whole conversation is funny. Um, so yeah, I guess that that's, that's a neat little payoff to that, that Aquaman's alive now. Yes. You know? Yeah. And there is sure. another Aquaman movie, right? There is one coming out. Uh, that'll probably be, uh, it, unless something changes, that's coming out in December and that'll probably be like our big end of year blockbuster episode. Uh, oh yeah. Going for Aquaman. an Oscars push for Aquaman too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom uh, is the name of the movie. Uh, James Wan directed it. 
so we'll see how it goes. I, I really wasn't a big fan of the first Aquaman, but I know enough people that liked it a lot where I'm like, I'm going to give it another shot before Aquaman 2 comes out. I don't think I've ever actually watched the whole thing. Oh, I think really? I caught like the middle 30 minutes or something on HBO and was like, I don't care enough. Except for the Adonis <laughs> Patrick Wilson being in it. Uh, I never, yeah, I never actually like sat down and watched the whole thing. So Yeah, I mean, what I do like about that Aquaman movie is that uh, they like kind of briefly reference the events of Justice League, but then they're like, that doesn't matter. Uh, we're, <laughs> it's it's otherwise like an entirely self-contained, like it's it's, its own thing. That's cool. Uh, which is nice. Uh, and yeah, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, uh, I don't expect we'll reference this movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I think it'll just be its own thing and uh, from here here on out that that'll be it maybe that'll be the last we see of aquaman or maybe not who knows um i think jason moa as aquaman was like that movie made like a billion dollars like people really liked it yeah. and they liked jason moa as aquaman uh so maybe that'll that'll keep going but we'll we'll kind of have to see what happens i don't think we'll ever see ezra miller as the flash again this that is my guess i think this is the end of it unless like 20 years from now like we need another cameo to throw in there or whatever but like i think in terms of like substantial flash stuff i feel like this is it this has got to be it and if it's not, it should be. <laughs> Just put it, let, let things die. Just, morally speaking, this should be the last time yeah. we see Ezra Miller as the Flash. Yeah. What's the line from Star Wars? You know, like, go to the past, kill it if you have to. Let's yeah. do that with the Flash. Yeah. <laughs> or just the, the Snyderverse in general. Yes. Uh, and, I mean, this movie does seem to try to close the book on the Snyderverse uh, in some way. Uh, and so we'll see how successful it is at that. I feel like they've been trying to close the book on the Snyderverse for a while. <laughs> yeah. And just the Twitter campaigns won't let them. They they will not. Uh, but we will see what happens from there. But all right, that is The Flash, uh, a movie that is not particularly good, but Nick Cage is in for 15 seconds. So allegedly. Allegedly in for 15 seconds. <laughs> so we had to talk about it. But let's get into some Letterboxd reviews, Mike. Let's see what the people have to say about this ah, one. I don't know why I thought there wouldn't be Letterboxd reviews for the movie <laughs> that came out two weeks ago. Because <laughs> uh, no one saw it. Is that yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, It's actually, it's been just about a month now i think mike since the flash oh. came out uh it came out june 16th i saw it the weekend it came out uh and i have basically forgotten almost everything yeah <laughs> like de- details are gone I-, I have like a vague memory of this but here we go it's a one-star review from darren to start things off there's an interesting sequence early in the flash where barry realizes that he has effectively rewritten history this revelation doesn't come with the discovery of any significant global events. This isn't a world where the Soviet Union won the Cold War or where the British Empire still exists, where Al Gore won the White House or where 9-11 never happened. Instead, Barry discovers that the universe is broken because intellectual property has been reshuffled. Uh, <laughs> Eric Stoltz starred in Back to the Future. Michael J. Fox headlined Footloose and Kevin Bacon was the lead of Top Gun. That's the meaningful difference that Barry creates <laughs> when rewriting history. He effectively shifts through a number of Hollywood what-ifs. If The Flash were a better movie, this might be charming. It might play as a knowing, metafictional joke about the movie as a fan service delivery mechanism. Instead, it serves as something of a mission statement. The Flash isn't a movie. It's a shareholder presentation. It's two and a half hours of watching a major conglomerate rearrange intellectual property like it's the deck chairs on the Titanic. (laughs) I think that is the most beautiful way anybody has explained anything. (laughs) And that is exactly how I felt, I think. That is uh, 100% accurate, I think. Uh, Here's a three-star review from Tyler. The CGI in this movie makes Superman's mustache removal look like a work of art. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that, Mike? (laughs) I do remember that. Speaking of uh, state, or you would have already listened to me begin on Mike and Mike, go to the movies, my Mission Impossible rewatch. Ah, yes. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. Uh, So we'll be talking about that soon. Uh, Here's a four-star review from David Chen, host of the Filmcast, which you were listening to their episode uh, on The Flash, and uh, you were horrified to find out that they kind of liked it. Uh, Yeah, they were sort of (laughs) positive on it, which is wild. 
Yes, uh, and I am like eight months behind on all my podcasts, so eventually I'll get to that and I'll share your rage. But uh, right now, it's a four-star review from David Chen, an action-packed, crowd-pleasing, and ultimately moving story about one man's quest to undo an unthinkable tragedy, the ending of Man of Steel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. Uh, Also true. Uh, Here's a, uh, and uh, and also just to throw this out there, we've kind of touched on this already a little bit, but uh, the way that the movie really hinges on Man of Steel, as if that's a movie that like everybody really likes, is really strange. Uh, And it kind of reminded me of how in Avengers Endgame, a lot of that movie hinges on Thor the Dark World. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Which is like one of those things where it's like, okay, I I get why it does, because that is like, you know, you had had Infinity Stone in that movie. It's important to the overall narrative, I guess. Uh, But like, that's one of the worst ones and everybody hates it. Like, why are we spending a lot of time in Thor the Dark World? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's very, uh, and and like to all of a sudden reveal that like Barry was there too at the end of Man of Steel, but he was too, too, like low powered to, to be too shy in, too shy to be in that movie um yeah. feels very weird like yeah it's like hilarious that everything important that ever happened to barry allen happened on the same day as the end of man of steel <laughs> like he gets his power <laughs> at midnight that day and then that morning zod shows up yes like, yeah okay right. and that's also the beginning of batman vs superman too right so right that's, yeah that's a weird thing i mean and, and also I mean, it was just weird to build the universe out of Man of Steel in the first place. Like, because Man so, of Steel too. on its own is a pretty standalone movie. Like, there's, I think there's like one reference to like Bruce Wayne existing, which is like a, a you'll have to pause the movie to see Wayne's name on a satellite. On a satellite. Thing. Yeah, I remember uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I think that movie didn't do as well as they wanted it to be. And, you know, the Avengers were such a big hit. So they were like, we got to add in all the heroes. <laughs> we got <laughs> to do it all. Batman, Superman, it's happening. Uh, it's going to introduce Wonder Woman also. Like, it just, it, it, it tried to do too much too soon, you know? Yeah. And Cyborg yeah. is referenced in this too. Um, yeah. Well, actually, I hope before we get going, I wanted to, so I didn't notice it. My friend told me there's something that they reference in this movie that only exists in the Snyder cut version of justice league. Oh really? And I don't, I didn't, I forgot to be like, what is it? Uh, so I was wondering if you noticed what it might've been, but I guess not. No, I mean, I saw justice league once in 2017 and I saw the Zack Snyder cut in 2021. I didn't remember specifically like, you know, what was added, what was taken away kind of thing yeah. um, for that movie. Uh, also the Snyder cuts four hours. I can't remember everything. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's now I'm thinking, I wonder if it's the cyborg stuff. Because uh, he's Could be. much more fleshed out in the Snyder for Snyder cut. Yes, which is one of the strengths of that movie is that they have, they give Cyborg a really good arc. Uh, in, yeah. in that one, and yeah, in this one, it's I I thought they might bring him back as like a thing where it's like, hey, he, you really kind of got the short shrift here, Ray Fisher. But uh, I think he's also been feuding with WB for the last couple of years, so maybe not, maybe, so not. maybe not. Yeah. Uh, but all right, here's uh, two more reviews here. I got a half star review from Cartoon She. We as a society should be completely opposed to necromancers resurrecting dead actors with CGI for a cameo, but so long as audiences can recognize something to point and cheer at, it's only going to get worse. Yep, that's how it feels. Yeah, 100%. And finally, here's the last one, a two and a half star review from Patrick Willems. The second Barry Allen in this movie may be incredibly annoying, but one thing he has going for him is a poster for the Animatrix hanging in his bedroom. <laughs> I did notice that, which is very <laughs> weird back there. Yes, uh, but pretty cool. Love the Animatrix. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there it is. That is The Flash, uh, which uh, is supposedly currently out in theaters right now. Um, I, th- I think it is no longer playing near me. Um, in, I have two AMC theaters. Uh, if they are still playing The Flash, it might be in like their smallest theater at this point. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was, no, it was only, like I said, it wasn't playing at the couple near me. I had to go like a half hour away. Uh, uh, and it was playing two shows uh, there in their smallest theater. So. Man, I, I appreciate your commitment to the show, Mike. Uh, I did to, it. 
talk about the flash. Uh, it's great. Uh, I mean, it's great that you, yeah, you committed to it. The movie itself, not great. <laughs> not great. And you know, it's the show must go on. So exactly. Yes. hundred percent. So, uh, that is going to be the end of, uh, this week's episode of the complete works, Mike. So where can we find you online this week? You can find me, uh, as long as it still exists at MD film blog on Twitter, uh, and at MD film blog on letterboxd. And if you'd uh, like to donate and support the show, you could do that on our Kofi page, which is Kofi.com slash Mike and Mike pods. And if you want merch, we have merch available on our Redbubble, which is Mike and Mike pods Yes, it is. You can find me online at M Smith film blog on Twitter, Mike Smith film on letterbox and radio Mike sandwich, on Instagram. Uh, thanks so much for listening to complete works. I'm Mike Smith. That's my decretio. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can tweet at us at complete works pod. That's W R K S no O in the word works. Uh, you can find the rest of our podcast on rapture press alongside many other podcasts, about all kinds of movie news and all that good stuff. Our theme song was created by Kyle Cullen. You can reach your own podcast themes at Kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com. And our Nicholas cage logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob honey on Twitter. Uh, join us next week in complete works because we are returning our attention to Michelle. Yo, uh, we're going back to our season already in progress to talk about a much better superhero movie which one uh guardians of the galaxy volume two one uh, of the best some might say uh i would say uh <laughs> the best mcu movie that has ever existed uh <laughs> yes good uh yeah i i love guardians too i'm very excited to talk about it i have a distinct memory of seeing it in the theater and being like holy shit that's michelle yo uh yeah and so uh it feels it really feels like we're coming full circle here to uh talk about guardians too <laughs> It does. It's going to be fun. And she, and if I remember, that's another 30 second cameo, right? That's one of those. Yeah. Things. Yeah. It's, oh, it's a cameo. She pops up at the end of the movie. She's in it for a minute. Uh, she's also in a post credit scene. Okay. Uh, so she has like one or two lines. She doesn't have much to do, but uh, it's just like her presence there is a fun thing. It's her and like Ving Rame shows up. Oh yeah. 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 And it's like Sylvester Stallone's like old, like, you know, old guardians team. Uh, right. It's, it's pretty fun. So, uh, yeah. Guardians two next week. Uh, one of my favorites. Plus you can check out Michael Michael to the movie. So thanks so much for listening guys. And thanks for getting in the cage.